the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's I on Real Estate on AM 970. The answer. This is I on Real Estate, your premier source for real estate information. From the heart of New York City and the tri-state area to the most active real estate hotspots across America. Keeping you plugged in to the latest real estate market trends. From mortgage news and legal developments to everything you need to know about buying or selling a property. Benefited by the advice of the experts. Now, here's the host of I on Real Estate, the vice chair of Douglas Elliman, Dottie Herman. Back again, I'm here with my friend and our show's resident legal expert, attorney Stephen Edwards, partner at the prestigious firm, Kassin & Kassin. Good morning, Steve. Good afternoon. I think it's closer to afternoon, so I'll say good afternoon. Um, good, good afternoon, Daddy. Good to see you. It's so good to talk to you. So listen, so much is going on. I, Ace and I talked about whether there'll be a bubble, whether it's a bubble, whether it's not, and you know, you're hearing recession. I don't see that, but whatever. There's all this going on. What are you hearing? What's, what are some of the questions and what are you seeing when it comes to what are the main things people are talking about? Well, it's, that, it's, still, an active, it's still a very, very active market. There's still, exactly. It's all about really supply and demand. You know, I, I think it's not a matter of the fact that rates went up that may have spooked some people. I think it's the fact that it moved up in such a short period of time, and, and you saw that real jump. So it just caught, I think, some people by surprise. And look, this, this for people who are listening to the show, we've been saying it for a couple of years. You know, no one knows the exact date, but like this was this was coming. And so it may motivate some people on the sidelines because you know, Dottie, there's always been a portion of buyers who have said. Oh, let me wait and see. Let me wait and see. And I've seen it where literally 10 years go by and they're still waiting and seeing. And so if you believe in the fundamentals of the market, and this is the same as, you know, stocks or as, let's say, real estate, it's very difficult to time the perfect day. And in real estate, it's even harder because it's not just about timing the perfect day on rates and pricing, but also you got to find the property you want. you got to live there. It's not just a, a numbers decision. It's a personal decision. Um, you you got to really look at it, you know, more for the long term. And, you know, I think in that respect, um, the good news is technology can change, right? When I grew up, you know, we had cassette tapes, right? Now people have... I, I remember them. You know what? The one thing that hasn't changed is you still need a roof over your head and a bed to sleep on. That hasn't changed with all the right. technology upgrades. So um, that's where you, you have a lot of fundamentals. And, and the reality is you see a lot of sophisticated investors realize that. And one of the trends that we're seeing is institutional investors, large hedge funds, other and others actually buying residential real estate. You know, you look at it traditionally that maybe invest in an office tower or a shopping center. 
And of course they're doing that too, but they're also buying residential real estate in bulk. For rental, Steve? Are they uh, are they primarily yeah. buying them to sell them, or are they holding them to build, you know, buying uh, institutional buyers buying rental properties? Because you know, I put some money in those institutional funds because real estate funds because I I see them and it, as you said, they really weren't that common, uh, but now they're seeing real estate as a true asset that's going to grow. Um, so is it a combination of maybe uh, rentals and homes and wouldn't that impact, like, the single buyer? Like, you know, we don't have inventory as it is. So if the institutional buyer buys properties, does that make it tougher for the individual or just maybe more expensive? Yeah, no, th these are great questions and not just legal ones, but fundamental to really the public sphere and how society and communities are shaped. So let me break down because there's a lot to unpack in there. So number one, you've always had investors who bought in, I think, to sell, right? Sometimes you have a developer that might have a cash flow problem. So a different, um, you know, someone else who's resourced financially might step in and say, okay, I'll take over, give you a cash infusion, I'll buy it at a discount, but the idea is to sell. What we still see that, of course, but what we're seeing more of is these uh, funds actually buying to hold and rent out. And that's a bit different. Um, they'll buy up a vast portfolio and, and rent it out. And that has some repercussions because depending upon where in the country, and this is where we do, gotta, we do have to be careful because this can make a very big difference depending upon where you are. Um, it has the potential, and there's been some pushback, and you're starting to see articles about this in the mainstream media where communities are expressing concern where people would normally buy i would say middle class very stable neighborhoods and communities where now all of a sudden people can't buy they have to rent because exactly of this crowding out that you refer to where these large investors are buying residential real estate in bulk which they haven't done before and so that's definitely a hot topic that's out there and what we're seeing Dottie is that there's a difference between single family homes in bulk versus homeowners associations. And one of the interesting things is, are we going to see a change in the approach of homeowners associations in how they allow transactions to happen and or a change in local law based on these various counties and states to push back and try to keep these homes, uh, uh, you know, available for people to buy as their primary residence. The big well, topic. But, but, but I'm confused on that for a second. So, when an institutional investor buys a bulk property, okay, that's one thing. What does that have to do with a homeowners association, which is really people that are individually buying it, but they have to be approved by the homeowners association and go by their rules? Well, what's happening sometimes, Dottie, and you're exactly right, if you buy a bulk purchase from a developer, you're sort of stepping in as the developer and, and owning before the HOA is really all set up. But what's right. also happening, which is different now, is, is something else. They actually have money set aside, and they're just buying individual units as well. Say that again. Now, they have money number. set aside? And they're buying... Um, individual units 
like a regular homeowner would, but they're right. buying it in bulk. They'll put it out there and they'll say, we'll buy your home, and they'll step right in and they'll close immediately, and they'll pay all cash, and they're buying and holding. So they'll, let's say, say, oh, wait a minute. We see in this community of, let's say, 100 townhouses, there's five up for sale. We'll send in a representative, go to every single homeowner and say, we'll buy it, and we'll close in two weeks all cash. Just let us run a title search, and we'll buy it. Done. And they'll go to all the homeowners, and they'll do that. And so now, now that and, and and obviously the uh, individual buyer really is not going to be able to compete with that. I don't believe. No, I mean, I mean, it's very, it's very unusual for an individual to be able to do that. I mean, people usually need to sell a home, or they might need a mortgage, or they might need to move, or they're going to live there, so they're going to look around and say, oh. I need to have my full inspection. You know, some of these cases, they send someone in as a contractor on the spot and says, okay, we can do our quick look. We don't need to wait a week for an inspector or something like that. We want it. We're going to move on it immediately. And they have their team, you know, already lined up, boom, 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 and, and just, just run with it. And to some homeowners, particularly ones that maybe are trying to coordinate a sale and a buy, that could be very attractive. You know, and one of the things that I've told people is always remember Price is obviously important, but it's not the only issue. When you're trying to negotiate with a seller, you got to find out what's motivating them. Do they have deadlines? Are they moving? You know, what's going on? Because sometimes you can offer other things besides money that's of value to them to help make the deal happen. And when you have the money issue already taken care of and you have speed on your side and as a sophisticated buyer, you don't care. Like, you're not going to make a comment that says, oh, I didn't like the color you painted the living room, so I don't know. They're going to say, we don't care what color it is. We'll paint it or leave it. It doesn't matter. Right, they just, yeah. So all of a sudden, so, it becomes real easy for the seller. Right, but is that, so in other words, but is that, are they, are they, in other words, if you're buying it from uh, an institutional investor, obviously they got it at a cheaper price because they bought it bulk. So you're really going to be paying more than if you probably bought it direct. You know, it's interesting. You, you just don't know. Um, you know, there's, it may or may not be different, right? I mean, also remember, they may go in directly. They might have local, they might have employees who can just negotiate on their behalf. Um, right. You know, they, there's a little bit more to the story. Maybe they're experienced in that community because they already own units in that development. Um, and so what's happening though is, and this I think is the bigger trend and, you know, as an attorney, very interesting to see, you have some HOAs, homeowners associations who are now trying to say, wait a minute, we need to like look at our rules real fast because all of a sudden now this investor might have a 20% voting block because they own bulk units and we need to figure out what we want to do here. And there's and it changes the character of the community, right? You may have bought into a community because you want to, you know, meet friends who live there as opposed to renters who might be in and out in a year. You don't know what's going on. They'll treat it differently. Um, and, and, and the care and concern for the community, which can ultimately affect prices. Um, but also it changes the composition because one of the key things of, of the American dream and success story is being able to buy and have your own home and have that appreciate over time. And if this catches on too much, right, you could have it where the dream of home ownership becomes out of reach and you're creating a permanent class of people who would otherwise own homes 
be renters. So that's really right. a big part of the debate. Another question, Steve, since we're talking about homeowners associations, what should our listeners know if they're considering buying a home? What should they, you know, have? What should they know? What should they look into if they're buying into a homeowners association? That's that's a great question, and I and I have a little bit of bias here because I review them all the time, and in and in New York, and, I, and I'm grateful not because I guess because I do it for a living. You know, New York, people use attorneys. In some other states, they don't. And people say, ah, maybe it's a little bit faster in some other states. And that can be true. It's faster. But it doesn't make it better. I've seen it where people are buying in other parts of the country. They'll actually call me up and say, look, I'm buying. I had a client. Oh, I'm buying a condo in Lexington, Kentucky. They say, ah, nobody uses an attorney out here. And so I said, no problem. But they like, we want you to look at it. I go, did your real estate agent tell you about the building financials? No. Do they actually check if there's any um, construction going on? No. Did you look at the budget? No. Like, and so the concept of due diligence changes. So for those of you who are buying in a homeowners association where it's not an attorney-driven state, where you just have the title company giving a free and clear title, and that just means that you own it, that maybe the seller's mortgage is paid off and the taxes are current, but you really don't know what's going on in the association, here are some things to look at. Number one, you should always see the financials of the community. You should see, do they have money in reserve? Are they running cash flow positive? Is the monthly fees, are they appropriate? Do they sort of throw out assessments at various times? Um, what is really financially going on? The second thing is you've got to look closely. You need to find out what the association covers and what you're responsible for. Right? If you have a townhouse community, does it include garbage pickup or snow plowing or landscaping? If there's a problem with the roof or windows, is it the association or is it on you? Can you, can, can you customize the color of your house? What if you want to expand your deck? Can you do that? Right? These are just some of these practical questions. If you're living there, what's life really like? Um, yes, and, and they have like certain restrictions. That's like I, you know, I, I, my brother was telling me he was in a homeowner. Yeah, I'm in a homeowners association, but uh, uh, you know, it's not too strict. I mean, you can't. You have to build a certain type of house. You can't. They don't look alike, but they don't want you know like way out. You can't have a purple house. And, uh, you know, the, 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 the streets are private, which I didn't know at the time. And so there's no, the, the town doesn't pay for snow plowing. The, neither the homeowners association, they don't pay for garbage pickup. And so those are all extra costs, uh, extra dollars that, you know, if you don't know that ahead of time, you could be in for a rude awakening because it does add up well, me, a lot. And, and I'm going to give you two bigger ones that uh, you, you mentioned water, sewer, and road maintenance, right? Think about this. Yeah. If they're private roads, and, and private roads manifest a whole bunch of different ways, right? I know you're, you're out in the Hamptons a lot, too. In the Hamptons, they have something called trustee roads sometimes, where basically the government's not responsible. So once you cross that front gate to the community, if your roads are broken up, right, and they need to be repaved, 
that's on the community to get them repaved. So that can add up. Yeah, and, and that's they what I have. That they're planning. Yeah. And also when it comes to water treatment, you know, incoming water for drinking and also waste, you want to be very clear to know what deal does the association have with the town? Are they using the municipal systems and just paying like a user fee of some sort? Uh, or they have some other system or potentially even their own tr system if it's a big enough community. So that's an important thing to keep in mind. I mean, I live up in northern Westchester. There was a community in a different town right nearby where they ran their own water system. And I'll tell you, each home I think got hit with around eight to 10,000 because uh, a set 10, assessment because they had to redo and upgrade their entire well water system for the community. Otherwise, they would have had a water issue. Um, so it's a very expensive project. Um, so you want to be careful about that. And, and it can also manifest in another way, too. Like sometimes you have beautiful lakes that you can use that are part of the community. we got to also be careful who's responsible for that maintenance um, when it comes to environmental protection and dredging the lake and things like that. Um, I don't, again, I don't want to make it seem it's all problems. You know, as a lawyer, people no, think it's we're not all negative. I think, on problems, but it's things to keep I in think mind. it's to your point that, you know, a lot of people think, gee, you know, anybody could do a real estate closing. Anybody, you know, you don't really need an attorney. And truthfully, there is so much at stake. And that is why I always say, and I don't say this on your account, Steve, I believe in it. I would never do a deal, even in a state that didn't use attorneys, without my own attorney. And I want them to know all that stuff. And that's why, you know, when you try to get your brother-in-law or somebody that, you know, doesn't really do real estate, a lot of times they don't know the, you know, the, the nuances of, of things. And those are things that really creep up on you. And just as that, you know, if you buy an apartment, let's say, in the city, and you're in a building, um, I you need to look at what the, 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 the monthly charges are for the maintenance because, you know, I'm in a building that when I bought it, it was perfect for me because, you know, I needed to have a place that, you know, I could plop in it at 12, you know, you know, whatever time. I was always working and running back and forth from Long Island to the city. And I just – and I think that now – um, I really, and I, I didn't look at the monthlies, but the monthlies are so high in this building that I'm in that it would really affect the prices of the houses, you know, of the, of the apartments, because if the maintenance is so high, it's going to make the prices probably be less. So you need to kind of look uh, at, maybe you could talk about that and how, how somebody knows, how somebody looks into that. Yeah, so... A very, very important point that you mentioned, because people look at the totality of what their monthly payment is, right? People don't just say, what's the purchase price? But now, what monthly payment am I sort of stuck with? And what happens is you can pay it in a mortgage or you can pay it in the fees to the building, because exactly right, if you have lower fees, it's worth more, so the price is more. But if you have higher fees, it's going to absolutely affect value. And, and let me say a couple things with that. Um, well, you, you know, know what, Steve? Fine. I think we're coming to a break. So we'll take our commercial break, and we'll be right back, and we'll finish talking about what you need to look at, whether it's monthly maintenance, whether it's taxes or homeowner association fees. 
If you love Broadway, movies, and music, then tune in to Broadway at the Russian Tea Room, Sunday afternoons at 5. Host Rob Taub interviews the biggest stars, writers, and directors, plus film and theater critics, along with people behind the scenes, from doctors and fitness experts to casting directors, stagehands, and dressers. It's the only show of its kind, and it's right here on AM 970, The Answer. Holland Christian Home is a Christian home for seniors, a place that will treat your loved one with kindness and respect. Located in North Haledon, New Jersey, Holland Christian Home is filled with fun activities, delicious meals, medical care, and more. Founded more than 125 years ago, Holland Christian Home provides the physical, social, and financial needs to care for seniors. Go to hchnj.org or call Charlotte at 973-807-3245. Call Holland Christian Home to discuss how they can care for your aging loved one with residential living, a permanent life care program, and respite care, you'll have peace of mind that your mom or dad, aunt or uncle, friends and loved ones are in a warm and loving community. Daily chapel services are included. HCHNJ.com or call 973-807-3245. Holland Christian Home will care for your aging loved one with kindness and respect. HCHNJ.org or 973-807-3245. Holland Christian Home. Ask for Charlotte balance of nature, changing the world one life at a time. I'm a physician and I still see patients every day. And, you know, so I tell my patients about this and they ask me, what are you taking? And so I tell them, taking balance of nature and they go, oh yeah, I've heard about that. You know, so I tell them how to get it. I give them your telephone number, 246-8751. And I tell them, call this number. And I said, they'll, they'll take care of you after that. So you know, I mean, I, I'm primary care. You know, I really think that it works well for, for people to have fruits and vegetables. Start your journey to better health with Balance of Nature right now. Call 1-800-246-8751 or go to balanceofnature.com for more information or to place your order. Shipping is always free. And don't forget to get 35% off your first order as a preferred customer by using discount code the answer. Spring means new beginnings and growth. So let's get your business's seeds planted with Salem Surround. Let us help your website bring you the leads your business needs to thrive. Let's make sure people find you faster and easier on the web. Our amazing team of media strategists are here to serve you with boots on the ground and real world expertise. We live right here and know the communities you're trying to reach. We're media strategists and we're very, very good at what we do. So let's grow together. Visit SalemSurroundNewYork.com. Continuing with Eye on Real Estate, your premier source for real estate information. Here's the host of Eye on Real Estate, the vice chair of Douglas Elliman, Dottie Herman. We're back and we're talking about homeowners associations and we're talking about taxes. And, or if you're living in a building, monthly maintenance fees. But before I just do that, Stephen, before you finish that up for us, I just want to take a quick call from Harry. Uh, from the Harry, are you on the line? I'm on the line, Dottie. Dottie, I have a couple of questions, basically about um, bank foreclosed government seized properties. I mean, uh, with this crazy economic situation, it's more of a uh, buyer's market, seller's market, rather. And is it still feasible? And also, Daddy, we're one month away from American Memorial Day. 
For years you've been saying that you were going to honor the American veterans. I'd like to uh, be on the show on the uh, Monday the 30th of May and let you in the world know that American veterans are well, mostly homeless. Okay. Why don't you do this? Would you leave me your number and we'll have we'll call you about that because that's what somebody does for me and they book the guests. But if you leave me your number, I'll have uh, my assistant call you. Okay? Just leave the the man that you called um, your number and I'll make sure he calls you Monday or Tuesday. Thank you. Um, so Stephen, we were basically talking about what should people really. Look at it's even with taxes. You know, I've watched some people buy houses and they're looking at the taxes, and maybe the 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 person that owns the house has a VA exemption or they have a senior citizen exemption, and they really didn't double check the taxes. So, what should uh, what are the main things that people should look at? You know, or have their attorney look at uh, when it comes to those type of things like monthly maintenances and uh, homeowners association fees. Absolutely. So you're absolutely right. Let's start with the property taxes first. You need to take a look and see if there are exemptions. And in the local MLS in New York, where there are exemptions for clergy or seniors or low-income seniors and veterans, um, they're supposed to list what the taxes are full freight and then what they are with the various abatements. So, But you do need to look closely because I've seen plenty of mistakes, and we always double-check that. The other thing which you find in a number of jurisdictions, and these programs vary, are there may be new development abatements. And some of these abatements stick with the property, what we call in the legal profession, run with the land. So whether or not you have a sale or not doesn't matter. But some of them, if there is a resale, the abatement goes away before um, the, the normal time period provided for. So that's very, very important that you understand the abatement and how long it's there for. And look, this gets to a scarier item. If you're in a building that has a wonderful tax abatement, there's a downside. As you get close to the expiration of that abatement, is that going to affect pricing? Because now all of a sudden, the monthly carry cost for the next homeowner, if they don't get the advantage of the abatement, is much higher. And that can be an impact on prices. Uh, the other thing you got to look at is when it comes to the maintenance of a building is understand the nature of the building. Are you in a small building or a large building? Or are you maybe in a medium building that has large building expenses with fewer apartments? Right? Let me give you an example. If you live in a building with a 24-hour, seven-day-a-week doorman and you have 200 apartments to pay that salary, that cost is relatively low. But if you live in a building with only 30 apartments and you have a full-time doorman, the salary to the doorman is roughly the same, but you only have 30 apartments covering that cost instead of 200. You gotta look very, very closely at the nature of the building. Are, you, are they gonna have higher operating costs where they can't really do anything about it, right? If you, you can't get, we're not getting well, rid of the doorman. That's why it's so important to have an attorney. Yeah, that's why it's so important to have an attorney to really look at that and look at the financials to see, you know, if they have, you know, uh, repairs or big capital improvements that they have to do that they don't have enough money in reserve for. There's so many different things. And a lot of times when people move, if they're used to living in a single-family home and now they move into the city, they really don't know about that. I mean, when I first 
moved back into the city um, as an owner, I I didn't really know that much about it because I, you know, for the most part, either rented something in the city or had a single-family home that I owned. So those were new things to me for me to really look at and understand. And it's an education. And if you don't have the right attorney, you're really not going to know that. Absolutely. And you could end up buying into a building where the charges are so high, the monthlies, that you are going to have a hard time selling it or you have to really discount that a lot. And I, you know, you know, Steve, to the point, even with taxes, it's the same way. I mean, I'm sure you know Westchester has high taxes, Long Island has high But if the taxes are so high, what happens is it affects the property. It affects the sales price. Well, it's interesting, and that's the reputation. That's not, in my opinion, always accurate. And the reason I say that is it depends where in the county. Right. If you're well, looking in Westchester, I'll give you an example, lower Westchester versus northern Westchester. And, you know, you have to you have to see also what you want out of a town. Right. Do you want it more densely populated or do you want you want to have a more of the sprawling estate? So that's and, and these are the trade offs. And, the, and this gets to really what I always ask clients is there's two questions they should always ask themselves before buying anything. Number one. Today you're a buyer, one day you're going to be a seller. Who is going to be the buyer that's going to buy you out? And if that's the a property makes sense for that profile of a buyer, right? You know, for somebody who's looking at that kind of house, will they have the assets, the income to afford it or not, right? So if, if, that, per, if that crop of buyers exists, then you're making a smart deal. And then the second question you got to ask is what's your next best alternative? If you decide not to buy this property, what's the next one to buy or to rent, and what are the repercussions for you? And, and that's how you have to look at it. That's so true. And you know what, to add on to that, even if you have a single-family home, like, you know, it's, it's really important, you know, just to, to kind of do, like, painting. Just kind of thing, get like a, a vanilla, you know, make everything kind of vanilla because your buyer that's coming in probably is a millennial, okay, and they don't want a lot of clutter and they don't want a lot of stuff and they would just like a clean slate. So I think that's the best way to sell. But these are just things that I think people should look at, which they don't always look at. Um, you're going to think I'm crazy, but I was in a jam and when I bought my apartment in the city, it was in a building that my apartment does not have a CO. So I, you know, I don't know how that happens, but it was the one apartment that had no CO, and I had sold my, I had sold the apartment that I lived in, that actually was in the same building, but I had sold it, and I had to find something right away. So I then said, well, will you get me the COs? I tried to get them to get me the COs over time. And they said, no, we don't guarantee anything. And I don't, you know, I don't, I think that it was a decision that everyone thought I was crazy and I probably was to do this, but I ended up just buying it with no CEOs. And, you know, it's probably when I have to sell it, it's going to be a big problem. But, you know, so those are things that, you know, you should be aware of. And then whether you, you know, then you make a decision on what you want to do about that. 
Well, this is where also experience helps, right? This is where if you're an experienced buyer and you have an experienced team with you, you could say, you know what, I'm willing to take an educated risk. I always tell people, never gamble, but it's okay to take an educated risk. And if you understand the process and say, wait a minute, there's a defect on the property now, but I have a mechanism where I can fix it, then what you're able, but the seller can't, what you're able to do is, um, is get things at a discount. You know, there's an interesting expression in real estate, right, that says you make your money on the buy. What they mean by that is the presumption is that when you sell the property, you're going to get regular market price. You're going to take mm -hmm. your time, you'll set it up right and do it in the ordinary course. But to get a deal, you make it on the buy, you look for somebody who has a problem or you look for an apartment <laughs> that doesn't have the CO where the seller is going to have a problem selling, right? If the seller doesn't have a CO, you know a, no, a bank's not going to lend without a CO. So you're going to have an all-cash buyer. You know the supply right. And you know something? I took an educated guess that, you know, because I, I and again, it was just an educated guess, and, I, and it's a risk I was willing to take because I had to sell my property within a couple of weeks to get that sold. And um, I took an educated risk that somebody would buy it and pay cash, okay? And whether that happens or not, I couldn't tell you because I'm not looking to sell it. But it was a risk that I knew about and I decided to take. And so I think that's really all I'm saying is there are risks that you're going to be willing to go with and some that you're not, but you at least are aware of them. Your attorney... Um, can look into them all and give you their feeling on it and what they think. And then you have to decide for yourself and different strokes for different folks. But at least it's not a surprise to you or that, you know, you know, and I know some people who really get into properties and all of a sudden they have these costs and they really didn't realize how much the monthlies were going to be. Or sometimes with taxes, you know, they don't know, they don't realize how much they can go up. Um, so those are things you have to look at. Steve, I always love talking to you. I learned so much from listening to you. And thank you. And you just have a great weekend. Have a, have a wonderful weekend. Great to be here. Yes, and we'll be back Talk next week. Thank, yeah, thank you. And we're going to be back with our Canadian counterpart, who does a friend of mine and has been in the real estate business for years. Give us an update on Canada. Your parents have spent a lifetime building a life. Help them continue their independence at Riverwalk Senior Apartments by River Spring Living in Riverdale. Riverwalk perfectly balances independence and support. Your parents will enjoy spacious apartments, gourmet meals, and cultural activities alongside friendly neighbors and attentive staff. Visit riverwalk.org to learn how River Spring Living can provide independence through community and peace of mind for you. Call 855-45-RIVER to schedule a private tour. 855-45-RIVER. 
Chances are your home financing questions won't end when this show does. So the next time you have a question about home loans, ask the lending experts at Citizens Bank. They can help you every step of the way during the home buying process, starting with getting a pre-approval before you start shopping for a new home. Call 212-857-6668, 212-857-6668, and ask a citizen. Mortgages are offered and originated by Citizens Bank N.A., NMLS number 433960, Equal Housing Lender. MagnaFlood has been a leading name in outdoor and area lighting for over 70 years. Family-owned and operated since 1951, they've built a loyal following by maintaining control over the manufacturing and production process and with their outstanding customer service. From CAD to completion, from drawings to finishing fixtures, everything is done all under one roof. MagnaFlood supplies lighting solutions for the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey, the School Construction Authority, New York State Bridge Authority, and the Metropolitan Transportation Authority, among others. If you've ever driven over the Brooklyn Bridge or taken a trip to Grant's Tomb, you've seen MagnaFlood's incredible lighting. They've recently manufactured over 18,000 new lighting fixtures for installation on New York City streets and in parks, as well as in cities across the country. With their manufacturing facility in the heart of Long Island, their in-house capabilities include molding, welding, painting, fabricating, and much more. Call 631-226-1000 or visit MagnaFlood.com for your outdoor lighting needs. MagnaFlood, lighting your way. You have helped build MyPillow into an amazing company. Now Mike Lindell, the inventor and CEO of MyPillow, wants to give back to you. Get great discounts on all MyPillow products. Go to MyPillow.com right now and click on the radio listener specials. Get deep discounts on MyPillow's mattress toppers, bed sheets, and so much more. Mike's newest product is MyPillow towels made in the USA with 100% USA cotton, offering a six-piece set of bath, hand, and washcloths in a variety of colors. Originally priced at $109.99, now for a limited time reduced to $39.99. You heard right, $39.99 with the promo code AM970. Remember, all my pillow products come with a 60-day money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. Call 800 800- 651-0798 for these great specials. That's 800-651-0798. Promo code AM970. Continuing with Eye on Real Estate, your premier source for real estate information. Here's the host of Eye on Real Estate, the vice chair of Douglas Elliman, Dottie Herman. We're back. And um, as I told you, I have my special guest, my friend, and uh, a real estate strategist and columnist. Um, he's just brilliant. Um, we've been friends for years. He's very familiar with the New York market, but he lives in Canada, so he's really a, a real expert. We want to know what's going on in Canada. Um, good morning or good afternoon, Steve. How are you today? I'm great, thanks, Dottie. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm uh just going the market's just crazy and we're just like here in the US it's just I've never seen a market like this in all the years that I've been in the business. So, you know, we're looking at you know, people are all speculating, recession, bubble, this, that and I you know, I think we're gonna be okay. I think I think we're gonna be fine. I don't think we're gonna see quite the same velocity of sales as we had. I think it's going to kind of waver off, but I think it's going to be very strong, and I don't see prices really going down. Now, Stephen, there, there, I don't want to get too complicated because it's Canada, and but just in general, wasn't there some kind of a um, class action case that happened in Canada with real estate bidding or the 
Well, yeah, there's there's actually a class action case both in the United States and in Canada with respect to the issue that the way the industry is operated is that the uh, real estate agents get the sellers to pay the buyer's agent commissions. And the class action is a similar one in both the United States and Canada, which got certified last week in the United States that basically it says it's against the Sherman Act. Um, uh, it's sort of antitrust that you should not be forcing the sellers to pay the buyer's agent commission. And a similar class action has yet to be certified in Canada uh, dealing with the same issue. Understand in the rest of the world, Australia, UK, France, Israel, Japan, Italy, the commissions are separated. So if you're a buyer, you negotiate with the buyer's agent on what's a fair fee for their services. And if you're right. a seller, uh, you do the same. And yet sort of in North America, the multiple listing systems have made it mandatory and a rule of MLS that to put a property on MLS, the seller has to offer um, the buyer agent uh, a commission, and that's sort of uh, the the simplistic uh, uh, issues. And it's it's basically, you know, it's it's been certified in the U.S. It's it, it's there's a number of class actions, but the one that got certified is in, I believe, Minnesota and Illinois. It, it represents hundreds of thousands of buyers back eight years, and uh, you know the the damages are in the billions of dollars. Uh, that's kind wow. of uh, where it's at, where it's at. So we'll have to keep ourselves posted on that. Now, you have a, a similar market to us in Canada. Like, is it overheated and you're t- t- getting multiple offers? What, what What's the market well, like there? What about inflation? Is it similar to what's going on in the U.S. or different? Uh, absolutely. Gas prices have gone crazy. Inflation, interest rates have gone up a half a percent. Uh, the bank, uh, the central bank, has raised the the prime interest rate. It's talking about raising it another half or three quarters of a percent in Canada, which we study sort of the industry inside and outside. Um, and there are over two million Canadians who have a mortgage coming due this year. So a lot of people are going to be affected, um, obviously with the higher interest rates. You know, two million people is a lot of people. You know, we're a smaller population country than the United States, about one tenth. Um, we've got about 35 million, and you've got about 350 million. But everyone is concerned. What has happened in the last um, sort of couple months with the interest rates going up? People have borrowed against their home. Uh, you know, people get a, a line of credit against the. They call them HELOCs here. A line of credit against their house sort of combined with their mortgage and people have, have maxed out and borrowed the money just sort of um, because it's at lower rates just to give themselves uh, a cash reserve for difficult times. Um, you know, I, I guess the other thing, and you're facing the same thing with the increased gas prices, is this going to change issues? Obviously, with the pandemic, people were working remotely, virtually, you know, from their cottages or their country homes or whatever. And, you know, we were hopeful people would get back to the city. And now with higher, higher gas prices, you're going to want, you know, you're wondering, 
if that's going to have an impact on consumer tastes and trends and, you know, is that going to factor into where they want to live? True, true. Um, but let me ask you something. Do you have, um, do you, do you, like, how are prices in Canada? Are they like, uh, is it a very heated market still? And, oh, well, in the last year, Dottie, over 75% of all houses in Canada have sold over asking, which means there's been multiple offers on um, on uh, you know those properties. You wouldn't you wouldn't pay more than the asking price if there wasn't a second offer. And uh, you know if you were the only offer, maybe you'd go full price. You know, kind of like a bully offer to win quickly and not leave yourself open to multiple offers. But it's still we have a huge supply supply problem. There's not enough product. The listing inventory is way down. I'm not sure how you, um, you know, how you track that. So even even with sort of issues that inflation is higher and interest rates are higher, um, you know, price based on demand will be, you know, if the supply is low, is still there's still going to be, you know, it's a seller's market. So, um, you know, the government, the Prime Minister Trudeau, he just got reelected in the last little while. He came out and said he's going to criminalize blind bidding, which is, you know, bidding on houses, not with kind of an open and transparent um, uh, process. And just recently in Ontario, which is one of the largest provinces where Toronto is situated, um, the provincial regulator and the government have come out with um, they're going to allow open bidding. Um, on properties if the seller chooses. So there's still a lot of details um, to be determined on how it's going to work. You know, people are sort of, you know, saying, well, geez, that's, you know, why are you giving a seller, um, you know, basically an extraordinary right to decide how they want to proceed in negotiating their property? It's really, you know, blind bidding and multiple offers has been really hurtful most to buyers, right? When you say blind bidding, what do you what do you actually? I mean, everyone their terminology is like important because everyone might think of something different. When you say blind bidding, are you talking about bidding on a house you've never seen? No, blind bidding means that no one has any price um, guidance on what the other offers are. So, in other words, you don't know what the other offer is. No, and there could so, be five offers, ten offers, and the agent basically just sends people back to improve their offer um you know bidding at your basically bit you know upping your price against yourself and right. you know there's clear there's clearly situations i mean this is a rhetorical question dotty is it reasonable should a successful bidder who wins um a house you know, with five or ten offers, should they be paying fifty thousand, a hundred thousand, five hundred thousand more than the second best offer? That's the fundamental rhetorical question. Is that open and transparent? Is that fair? If you go to an art auction in in New York, whether it's Christie's or Sotheby's or whatever, everyone sees the bidding go up, and when you know you decide to stop, you stop, and the incremental bids are maybe 25,000 or 50,000 uh, increments, but no one's spending, you know, paying 500,000 more than the second best offer. And that's the public outcry in Canada. Oh, okay. So I see, I understand that. So in other words, yes, because that happens in the U S 
where there's multiple bids and, you know, the bids are held very differently. So there's not one way of doing them in the U.S. They do them very differently depending on the, you know, the listing, uh, you know, the homeowner and the listing broker's decision on how to do them. But in some cases, you might know what the bid is and in other cases you don't. So when you're making a bid, it's kind of like you really don't know what somebody's offer was, and your point is that they're making it like it's, you know, if I don't know that you offered that the highest bid was a million, and I offer, say, a million one or a million two, when I only had to offer a million, maybe a million and fifty dollars or something, that so they're trying to make you know what the highest bid is. Is that what we're hearing? That's exactly what they're sort of trying to correct. They're trying to put a system in that is more open and transparent and trustworthy for the buyers. Because, you know, the regulators in, you know, in, in Canada and the U.S., they're, they're basically state and provincial regulators. They're supposed to be protecting the consumer. And half of the consumers are buyers, right? Half are sellers and half are buyers. So why should the system... Um, you know, be uh, advantaged to the sellers only. And so they're making it optional, um, which, you know, is there's still not a lot of people are comfortable with what's being proposed because you as a seller, if I was a seller, Dottie, I wouldn't want to disclose all the bids. I would like to take the insider trading advantage of knowing what all the bids are and trying to drive the price up as high as I can and getting someone, unfortunately, to pay a lot more than they need to, to buy my home. Well, that's, yeah, so that's, that's what you would want if you're the seller. Obviously, if you're a buyer, you're not going to want that. So I'm going to, so we will keep us posted on how that ends up, but I'm assuming it will end up someplace in the middle. I have, you know, the time went so fast, so you'll have to come back again because we didn't really even get into much. Um, it's been a long time since you've been on so you'll come back in a couple of weeks and we'll really get into it have a great weekend and to all of our listeners weather's great the sun's out enjoy the weekend okay and we'll be back next week Eye on Real Estate with Dottie Herman is sponsored by Citizens Bank N.A. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.